Welcome to the Cure for Stupidity podcast, an ongoing exploration of the stupidity in real life, relationships, parenting, and more. (laughs) All right. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Cure for Stupidity podcast. And um, this is the late night episode. Late. late. It's what, 11 o'clock? Yeah, it's a little after 11. (laughs) And um, today was a full day of remodeling in the house, which meant that our daytime recording uh time slot would have been filled with thumping and banging and pounding yeah so that uh got rescheduled and then eric's parents are also in town which has been amazing yeah and so we we hung out with them for a little bit we built a house for sparky yes our our pet tortoise got a (laughs) a new house tonight Mm -hmm. uh eric and i just got done um, (laughs) demoing out the backsplash for the kitchen Mm -hmm. um and so tomorrow yep we got we have a lot of moving pieces before, before I know, I know that you want to say that's why it's a late night episode, but I just want to give you kudos because Jamie has been a phenomenal project manager through all of this. We have taken down beams, opened up walls, taken down walls, and today we completely gutted our master bathroom. Like In the closet. tile's gone, the shower's gone, the bathtub's gone, half of the closet is gone, the closet wall is gone, the band, everything's gone. And also got new uh, countertops in the kitchen and we're getting a new backsplash tomorrow. So uh, you've been incredible. So thank you. Yeah. So so it's worth it doing a late night episode because so much is it's like so much is getting done right now. Yes. I just try not to yawn. That'd be great. Just no <laughs> yawning. So I got my five hour energy over there. Oh, all right. OK, so you're just going to pull an all nighter. All nighter. <laughs> it's been a long time since you've had one of those, but go for it. I'll do it. I will be sleeping. <laughs> So, yeah, so we have the uh, the remodeling going on and it's been fun, but I think we're finally ready to dive back into some empathy talk. Yes. All right. So go ahead. No, I was going to say this is is something that that the world needs to be talking about right now. Like we're talking about it mm -hmm. all the time. And I get that it's because it was the episode from last week. And um, but I just feel like. In general, I've seen so many people just bringing this subject matter up and it is just so incredibly relevant right now. Um, It should always be relevant. Right. But right now, especially. Yeah. Um, So last weekend, we went on a canoe trip. Mm -hmm. Um, We mentioned Eric's parents are in town. Yes. And uh, we went out to Swarrow Lake Mm -hmm. and we did a four day camping canoe trip. Um, It was four and a half miles out to a boat access only um, campground campground and we we had a good time <laughs> it was it, it was, was wild yeah it was very it was wild. a very different experience than what we were what we were expecting so we had um six skunks join us <laughs> just after uh sunset the first night which was the surprise of of all surprises yes, i'd say yeah we were not expecting that <laughs> no I, i've never i've never actually seen a skunk in the wild I think I probably have, I've but not one. six. Yeah, that yeah. was weird. And they walked. They walked right up to the campsite. Oh yeah, hundred percent. They the good, were the good not news, nervous. The at good all. news is that they weren't stinky. Like they had yeah. not been spraying anyone or anything. So yeah. they're like, very used to humans. You could tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, but it was bizarre. It mm-hmm. was very bizarre. Yeah. But the the so the interesting thing. So something happened um, while we were there. So it was basically a four and a half mile 
paddle um, or boat ride to the campground. And so we were on canoes. And so, you know, you and my mom were on a canoe, me and Jeremy were in a canoe. And then and then Gary and the two littles were on a canoe. And uh, we made it in about what, four hours or so. Yes. Yeah, lots of breaks. Lots of breaks. Yeah, Lots of splashing. Lots of wonderful. fun. I mean, it was it was not uh, a race by any, no, by no, any no. means. We were, we were we were enjoying the ride. And, it was fun. And letting the bigger boats go past us. Yeah, when... We were the only canoes on the lake. <laughs> yes. There were a couple of coyote, uh, kayaks uh-huh. and stand up paddle. paddle boards, yeah. yeah, there we go. Um, but pretty much everyone else was there to like need for speed, have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of wake surfing and. If you, like, there's a difference between water skiing and wakeboarding and wake surfing. So wake surfing, it's they, the boats go really slowly and make this huge wake for someone to surf on. Not and so then you're fun in a canoe. In a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. anyway, that's pretty interesting. Um, but but something happened. So at our campground, you know, we pulled our boats right up to the shore. But there's a dock there for boats to kind of come in and and um, dock there. Use the facilities. There's now, I would say facilities. That's that's a, that's yeah. a generous term. Yeah. It, they're vaulted toilets. Mm-hmm. No trash cans. No water. No water. Nothing. No running water. So uh, so boats would park there. And 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 what we realized on Saturday that's the day that everyone comes to party. And and so you know we're we're getting ready to go on this little excursion in our canoes and this big gigantic 40, 50 foot like three story yacht pulls in. And we're just like, holy smoke, they're little canoes. Like, yeah, this, it, it was looks, huge. It looks like, it the looked Titanic. like Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I promise that was not scripted. <laughs> I thought it. <laughs> it, was, it was huge. It was so big. It was, it was. so big. It was huge. And, and so we go out on our, our little paddle and we come back and we noticed, Jay, you noticed. Yeah. That the the name of the boat, so painted in scripted letters, in gigantic scripted letters on the, the back of the boat. To fill the back of the boat. The entire back of the boat. Like. The length of our 20-foot canoe, right? That it said, white privilege. Like, that was the name of the boat, was white privilege. And, you know, that made me feel a lot of things. Uh, One, it made me feel annoyed. It made me feel frustrated. It made me feel upset. It made me feel scared. It made me feel unsafe. It made me feel devalued. It made me feel... So many things. Yeah. And 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 we we kind of had this conversation, you, me, and my mom have this conversation. And and my mom said, you know, they probably did that as a joke. Yeah. And and I think that's that's the hardest part for me is, is so so it required empathy to try to uh, like understand what that mm-hmm. why someone would be motivated Put that on their to, boat. to do that. But then a severe lack of empathy. Or maybe not, right? But but a severe lack of empathy to anyone that might feel the way I felt about that. Yeah. Right. And I think just being where we were, um, we're in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the campground is not. And we were the only people that camped there. Right. Um, and there's, you know, multiple campsites, and we were the only ones staying there. Right. Um, had something happened, had something, you know, you're feeling threatened, mm-hmm. you're feeling out of your comfort zone because of a name on a boat. And what are we going to do? Get in our canoes and paddle away? I mean, it's just, yeah. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what you felt, but I can't imagine the lack of empathy mm-hmm. for someone to just put that on their boat and be, <laughs> yeah, be so unaware 
of the possible ramifications for for other people right. when they see that. Right. Yeah, it's it was it was it was very upsetting. And you know, it's almost like this can't be real. Like that I think that's where I, I landed the most. Like this can't be real, but then I realized I'm looking it is real. Yeah. Like that is really someone the name yeah. of someone's boat. And I think I think the hardest thing is that in our bubble, in our world, we interact with so many people that are actively seeking to learn the experience of someone different, mm-hmm. right? So so we do a lot of engagements around the country, virtual engagements or virtual town halls on discrimination and racism and and like we're we're engaging with people of all walks of life that are that are saying I would like to know. Yeah, help me understand. Help me understand. And and we start to get this idea that that's the way that everyone is mm-hmm. thinking. And like I don't I'm not I'm not that naive. I'm sorry. Right. Like, right, right. I'm not that naive to think that that's what everyone is thinking. Fair. But you do, you do get a sense of hope. Right. Um, I get a sense of hope for our kids. Mm -hmm. I get a sense of hope for the future, for things to be better than they have been. Mm -hmm. And when something gets brought into awareness, you, you, we've talked about fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have many different ways to respond, but making a joke out of it and yeah. painting it on your ridiculously huge yacht. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it was probably the biggest boat on the lake that oh, day. By far. I by mean, far. I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not great at measuring things, but I'd <laughs> imagine that the, it was hands down the biggest boat. And to have that name, I mean, it is an attention drawing boat yeah. and to have that name plastered on the back. That means that everyone who sees it is going to probably feel one of three ways. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Thumbs up. Honking. Woo. You know, way to go. You know, big middle finger to the other guys is mm-hmm. essentially, you yeah. know, what that felt like. They'll feel like you and I did as well. And upset, frustrated, threatened. threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, Unwelcome. You know, you're, yeah. You're the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, ha, ha, ha. You know, get out of my way. And then there may possibly be people who are passive about it, but that's really hard to imagine. Like, I just, it's hard for me to imagine that somebody would see that and think absolutely nothing of it. Yeah, I I think, I think what's more likely, and it would look like that, but I think people would just not do anything. Yeah. Not say anything. Just But I wonder what, like empathy, like mm -hmm. I wonder what they would feel. Right. And like, that was my, that was my thinking is how does a boat like that exist well, and well, so, it didn't so, seem like anyone cared but us. So interesting. Right? There's so, someone told me this recently is that the opposite of love is not hate because in the brain, those are the same things. The opposite of love is apathy. Mm-hmm. So the opposite of love is I don't care. And so and so I, I do believe that it is possible for people to go up and see that and just say whatever. And like and like just it does. It does not affect them emotionally oh. at all. And I think that's that's the thing that I'm probably most worried about yeah. is that people would just be apathetic yeah. instead of empathetic, yeah. right? And just not 100%. care. I, I I I've never heard that, mm. um, and I'm taking that in. And while I should that should help me get understanding to that other group, maybe 
of people. Yeah. It's hard for me to imagine. To Especially it's so it's so because strong, for, yeah, so for visceral. us, for yeah. us, I mean, it was like a talking point of like, okay, well, what do we do? Should we do anything? Like, should we pack up? Like, are we safe? Because they they came at dusk. I mean, mm. and we realized they were probably just kind of using the bathroom, and getting the boat set up to spend the night or whatever they were doing. But after we had time to assess and figure that out, but at first it was like. Are they staying here tonight? Right. I mean, right. like, not that it's our island, but we were the only ones there <laughs> right. for, you know, for the, the, days. yeah, the days before that. So to have them kind of show up, it, it felt intimidating. Yeah. It felt alarming. Um, mm. And it was it was really difficult yeah. to have to go through all those mental gymnastics um, and to think that someone else might see that and think absolutely nothing of yeah. it. That's, that's weird. Yeah. So, um, uh, a colleague of mine named Pete Fowler, he just, he recently wrote an article and shared it. Uh, I saw it on LinkedIn and it was, it's probably one of the most beautiful, um, honest expressions and kind of transformations into empathy that I've, that I've heard in a long time. Uh, so, so he is, um, uh, he's a writer. And so he wrote this story, um, called, uh, I can't, I'm not gonna be able to get the, the title right, but it's, it's, um, uh, God's children, God's children aren't all white mm-hmm. or something, something to that effect. And okay. for, forgive me if you're watching this, Peter, for, for, for butchering the name. Um, but he tells the story of, um, how, uh, media and how movies portray black people. And, um, he, he recalls when he was a kid, he was watching, uh, this movie that just, just fundamentally shook him to his core. He was a kid and this is, you know, in St. Louis in the days, like three channels to choose from. And he, he said, you know, he was the first TV generation. And so there was this movie called greener pastures and it was a, a movie tell essentially telling Bible stories but it had an all black cast. Okay. All, all the actors were black. Mm-hmm. And, and it was adapted from a stage play where the, the, the cast was in blackface. Mm. And so the director of the film, the director of the movie said, oh, we should do this with all black actors. Well, he he was the one who. So he's trying to get rid of black face and actually have black actors. Right. OK. OK. But he was the actor in blackface. Mm. So he was the actor on stage. He said, we need to adapt this. Let's get black actors. So he recruited okay. actors from New York and from L.A. And he got them in and he hired them. And he said, you're not talking right. You're not you're not speaking Negro. What? We need you to speak Negro. What? So so they had black people and they said, you're not talking like black people. Okay. And so so he wanted them to speak like Southern blacks, but they were from New York and from LA. So they didn't speak that language. And so okay. So in his mind, he wanted black people to show up a certain way on screen. And so he hired a coach like a speaking coach which is typical yeah for for accents movies, right? or whatever yeah okay they hired a white guy from louisiana to teach the black people how to speak like black people oh come on right and and, and i think the, the thing for me is that movies and tv reinforce how we think things should be and they kind of create the image of and and, and malcolm gladwell's the template yeah malcolm gladwell his latest book is called talking to strangers we have this idea of what someone should look like when they're sorry. 
because we see it on TV. And when someone doesn't display in that way, we're like, oh, they're not really sorry. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so, so just talk about how TV and movies have kind of built our, our templates of what things should look like. And so that happened with black people. And so black people on screen for decades have always been low education, have always been the, the comic relief, have always been the right help. the help, have always been like, so all these typical roles for black people. And so like that was the first thing about it, right, is that they hired a white guy to teach the black people how to talk like black people yep. right? because we need to reinforce what people expected black people to sound like. Yeah. Right. You've got to sound like this. The second thing is, is this movie was about the Bible. Oh, and yeah? so okay. and so all black characters in heaven were black people. Uh, Adam and Eve were black people. Cain and Abel were black people. Moses was black. And all the all the characters were black. And so for for Pete, a, a young white boy in St. Louis watching this on TV, he said he had like an ex- existential meltdown. He's like, I couldn't understand. He like ran out, got his mom, and he's like, Mom, what is this? What is happening here? And she's like, if it bothers you, turn it off. But he realized that what he was seeing is, so he grew up very religious and and he saw all of the typical images, right, mm-hmm. from, from Lutheran churches mm-hmm. of what, the characters in the Bible look like they looked like him. Mm-hmm. And so he's seeing heaven. The angel Gabriel is black. And he's like, he sees all of these Bible characters, all the people in heaven are black and all these characters are black. And he didn't feel like he belonged. Mm. And he wow. said he felt as a kid, he felt that as a kid, he felt he didn't belong wow. and it caused this existential crisis yeah. for him. Yeah. And now as an adult, he realized that must be what black people feel like, Ooh. right? Talk about empathy. Yeah. Talk about empathy. And wow. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I'm the only black guy in the room. Yeah. Every day, yeah. right? I mean, every day, every job I've ever had, every, cl- you know, every school I've ever been to, there's been a time where I was the only black person in the room. Yeah. And it's interesting. There's there's little things that happen over the course of, of life where it's like, I don't quite fit. Mm. I don't quite fit. This world isn't quite made for me. Mm-hmm. And and for him to share that story, it's like, oh, he gets it. Mm. And true so, empathy. True empathy. Wow. Like, even little things like Band-Aids. You know, we're, we're struggling. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, so I've got this really crazy scratch on my back that's... <laughs> Has not healed for like months. A long time. I mean, it's healed. It healed. We don't need to be concerned right. for your it's health. Fine. My health but is fine. The the skin itself hasn't regrown. Right, right. There's no pigment on this area right here. Yeah. There's skin, but no pigment. So I can't go out in the sun because I'll get really bad skin cancer. I, I, I'm, cons- I'm very certain of that. Yeah. Uh, so like we put a band aid on it. Now, the thing is about band aids is that they're designed to be discreet. Mm-hmm. Like, like the original color of band aid is. Flesh. flesh like yeah. that's the color of band-aid yeah. now you wear like I, I cuts and stuff all over my fingers and knuckles and i i present i do videos so i'm always using my hands and so i can't have a band-aid and be discreet because my flesh isn't flesh colored right so it is to be clear it is it's it's my <laughs> flesh color, but according to yeah the most societal popular, norms the only, and- yeah the most popular bandage band-aid doesn't consider my flesh flesh. Color. And like, I've heard so many people talk about it and be like, well, it doesn't match my skin either. Like it doesn't match me, but it's not as it's, shocking. It's a lot and closer. I think the biggest thing that comes from this comes from that 
is otherness. Right. Is being in the other category. Yes. I mean, it it doesn't match probably 90% of the population exactly. Right. But it's within the realm. You're in the ballpark. Yeah. yeah it's within the realm. Mm-hmm. And like for any girl who's gone and gotten makeup, like you can tell when you're getting kind of close, like, all right, it's still not there, but like I'm getting closer. Like it's nowhere close for you. <laughs> right. 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 And it's just, it's, just, it's I, I, I've gotten used to it. Yeah. But it's, it's another reinforcer that this world was not made for me mm-hmm. or that I don't you weren't fit. The, you weren't the primary consideration. I'm not the primary consideration. Absolutely. And so I think that that the article that Pete shared for him to experience that as a child and then relate it back was tremendous. It was yeah. beautiful. And, wow. and and so like I, I'm, I'm I'll make sure I share in the in the notes uh, how to read that article. I think it was on Medium, but it was it just it's it's amazing to hear someone be so vulnerable and yeah. say, this is my experience. And this is just a fraction, I imagine, of what other people are going through. Yeah. Um, and, and I love I love this idea that we can reach out of our own experience mm-hmm. and and maybe not fully experience someone else's, but at least try to understand it yeah. and try to find an a, analogy to it or an analog to it. Um, anyway, I think that if we spent more time doing that, I think that we would just be so much healthier as a society. Yeah. And I think what you're, what you're, you're touching on just a little bit here and I've gotten more glimpses into it. Um, and it's something that we, we focus on for our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may not directly tie to empathy, but is the representation part. Yeah. Yes. Um, and our kids have prior to this year, uh, never been to a school where there was even a black employee. Mm. So not even necessarily like they've never had a black teacher. Um, they've never even had a black teacher employed at the school at at all. Like, so they've never seen that in their environment. So they may never even relate. They may never have that trust. They may never even consider it for themselves as a career. Uh, they may not, they may not relate when they need to with that trusted person in their life that that's lacking potentially for them. Yeah. And that representation piece. And like, like you just talked about with that, that movie, I think greener pastures, what you just said, um, there was a, a little photo that had gone around to try and like hit home that message. And it was a picture of a little white girl standing in the toy aisle, looking at only black baby dolls to choose off the aisle. And we go out of our way to make sure that our kids get some black toys and black literature and other things so that they get that representation. But we have to actively seek it. Mm -hmm. We have to go and find those things to ensure that they feel like they have a place in whatever it is that they choose. Our our oldest son is really into herpetology, (laughs) which is the study of snakes and reptiles and all the things that freak me out. (laughs) And I love that. I absolutely love that. I, I don't know that he knows of any representation in that field. I don't, I don't believe that that is a field with a lot of black representation for Mm -hmm. him. And so I want to make sure that, those stories also get highlighted. I want to make sure that there's a spotlight shown as you're included here too. You're welcome here too. And unless you have empathy, that's not going to happen. Right. Unless you can picture what it would be like to be the other your whole life. That's exactly it. Is that so many people hear what you're saying and say, yeah, but does it really matter? Mm -hmm. Because 
they've never been without it. Mm. Right. And it's like, or they've been without it in such few instances. And they're like, well, I survived. I was fine. Right. And it's not the everyday norm everywhere they go. Right. But, but even if you think about like the the image of the, of the little white girl in essentially a Toys R Us. Mm -hmm. Oh, remember Toys R Us. Here. <laughs> but but looking at an entire wall of dolls that don't look like her mm-hmm. um and she and she oh I, this is the doll i pick right and if that's if that's the world that's what you do but it's a subtle reinforcer that beauty doesn't look like you yeah and and that is something that uh, so uh for kids who who in there? So in the book, there's there's a section called um, uh, "Children Are Insignificant," mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that later in a couple of weeks. Because um, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> um, but but you think about for a child, who has the most authority in the world? The parents, the grandparents, and the teachers. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot more teachers than there are parents and grandparents. You go to school, and those are the people with authority. Mm-hmm. And so as a child. You go out of, so you leave your bubble, which is your parents and your grandparents, and you go out into the world. And you go out into the world and authority doesn't look like you, your entire life. And so psychologically, your vision, your your mental model, your view of what authority looks like isn't you. Mm -hmm. And that's a difficult thing to overcome. Yeah. Right? I, 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 it's so hard to imagine right i didn't do i didn't grow up like that right i didn't experience that right and now i'm trying to see it through the eyes of our kids and i'm trying to see it through your experiences that you've described for me and it's so far removed from my experience it's interesting because you know as kids for me growing up and our kids growing up it wasn't a thing like it wasn't anything you ever realized Mm -hmm. Until there's a certain point in 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 that was in my life and, and many and many black folks experience this. There's a moment in in your growing up where you realize you're different, mm-hmm. and you're different from a lot of other people. Most of the people in the country, and yeah. either someone's saying something to you or something happening, you realize people are laughing at you or something, something happens and you realize that you're different and the world sees you differently. And that's when all of it kind of falls into place. And you're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and it's not to say that because of that, black people can't be authority figures. No, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. That's not the point. The point is, it's a different path to get there, mm-hmm. right? Because because you're bucking the system. Yeah, like I have to create my own vision of what this is going to be, and and that's that you know for some folks makes them more powerful, mm-hmm. right? Makes them more strong, drives uh, them, drive, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just it's just a different path, and I think that the most important thing when we talk about empathy is that there are different experiences out there, mm-hmm. right? We have all gotten to where we are through different experiences. And if we lean into each other's experiences more, great. That's what we need. I mean, it it literally comes down to the ability to share the feelings of others. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything more than just sharing their feelings. So there's not judgment. There's not telling you you're right or wrong or justifying (laughs) or clarifying your feelings for you. Mm -hmm. Empathy is simply Accepting your feelings and saying, I can share that. I feel you. 
I feel you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. Absolutely. That's it right there. Um, my my only other uh, thing that I had t- thought of with mm-hmm. the uh, with the empathy thing. Um, I don't know if we're we're moving on or not. We haven't quite decided that yet. <laughs> I don't think just because it's such a good topic. Yeah. Like it is such a good. Topic. And maybe we just kind of bring it back through the rest of the chapters. But, yeah. yeah. But um, wear a mask. Please, Please like numbers are rising again with COVID um, here in Arizona. Um, But the Midwest right now is is spiking like crazy. Um, They're setting up some field hospitals. We're getting into cold and flu season. Mm -hmm. Um, There there's vulnerable people out there and they have to live with that fear because we don't know the long term effects or we don't know how vulnerable they are Um, and wear a mask. Wearing a mask is a sign of empathy. Yes. You can share the feelings of those around you because when you wear your mask, it's not for you. It's for the people around you. Mm -hmm. And I just, I I don't mean to get on a, a preachy, whatever pedestal, but I'm personally concerned. Um, My, my mom has survived a ton. She is a fighter. She is incredible. She is strong. She's fierce. And I would do anything to try to ensure that after surviving everything she survived, that we don't have to worry about something like this, mm-hmm. knocking her down. Yeah. We, we fought way too hard for way too many years and suffered through chemo and radiation and, and all of those yeah. things to then come now and, and risk it over something like a mask. And yeah, we take all the other precautions, you know, we're not, we're not going out and she's not going out and we're ordering and delivering, you know, all the, the groceries and all that kind of stuff. But if in case we happen to go out to drop off our ballots or, you know, whatever the other things are that are going to force some people, you know, we had to go get our flu shots. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some scenarios where we have to leave our bubble. Um, and, and, the, and we're doing remodeling right now. So yeah. we have a lot of people, not a lot of people, but we have some people coming in and out of our house and, and actually Jamie, uh, <laughs> she found, she found her power and, and there was a, a vendor or a contractor, um, uh, who's going to do some shelving for us. And, uh, he came into our house and wasn't wearing a mask and, and said, Jamie asked, can you please wear a mask? I actually asked the dispatcher. Will will whoever comes in be wearing a mask whenever they're in the house? And and he's like he sighed, rolled his eyes, and grabbed his mask and then put it on. And then he's like, "Am I gonna? If my guy's gonna have to wear this the full time?" And she's like, "Yes." And he's like, "Oh, you know, I don't, I, I don't, don't know, if it's I don't know, if this is gonna work." And she was like, "It's not gonna work. Thank you very much." And dismissed him, fired him, like before even getting the quote, fired him because he was going to threaten our mother yeah and it's like it's it that seems really extreme to say it but at that point this was this is a, a couple of months ago at the point arizona was having four thousand new cases a day. <laughs> a day yeah and so when you think about that he felt so put off it was such an inconvenience for him to do that and, and we talk about empathy we talk about what is the impact on you to do this versus Some what is, yeah, what is the impact of the other person of you not doing this? And so we, we teach our kids risk reward. Yep. And the risk is I have to wear a mask. 
Like that's that's the risk. And wearing a mask means I have to breathe my own breath, really. And that's kind of stinky. Could right? be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Could be hot and sweaty. Like yeah, I get right. it. Like we can all complain about the nuances of whatever it is. But realistically, the risk is you're uncomfortable. Yep. But the impact on your life is not as severe as the impact on someone else's life. The potential impact, the potential impact. is huge. And so, and so when we think about empathy, think about wearing a mask. Like we want to... What did someone say? We're we're all going to uh, we're all going to uh, sacrifice a little now, so that when we all get to come back together in the future, we can all be there. Everyone will be there. Everyone at the will table. be there at the table, mm-hmm. and and that's that's something that's really you know it's really really powerful when you yeah. think about that. So that was that was my uh, when we thought about empathy last week. That was the one thing that kind of kept lingering, and is just using a mask as a a practice of empathy Hmm. as a sign of empathy um because you just have no idea right you know try to try to just do your best to be a good human be a good human yeah be the good all right we'll be back next week um thanks you for uh for uh opening up your vulnerability there on what you experience um i think it's important that we have those conversations and Mm -hmm. try to help get that empathy to understand what you're going through. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. We know we want to, we want to always get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think so, so often we run away from conversations because they're uncomfortable or we avoid conversations because they're uncomfortable or we uh, resist learning about something because it's uncomfortable. And, you know, if we could just do it. I've actually started practicing. Uh, if we if we go to pick up some food and and like an employee is wearing their mask below their nose because if you wear your mask, please wear it over your nose. It's designed to catch your exhaled breath. Um, and so I, I started saying, "Oh, I think your mask is supposed to go over your nose." It makes me so uncomfortable. When you're doing it. <laughs> I'm proud of you, and it's like I love that you do it, but it's also like I get like get a little like twinge of ooh, what's gonna happen? But it's yeah, and guess mm. what happens? Oh, okay. Like, yeah. well, well, one, one, one person one, might one person have had a little was, sass. Yeah, a little attitude. <laughs> she rolled her eyes and walked away. But, but so what? Like, what does that do? Right. And so the impact on me was a little discomfort. Um, but if, if she chose to do that or change that, it could have made a big difference. So anyway, uh, get, get comfortable being uncomfortable um, because uncomfortable means growing, yeah. right? Our kids are waking up. I've got growing pains. Well, that means that there's actually the growth plates at near at the, the <laughs> end of their bones are actually growing cells. And so it's uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Muscular, it's uncomfortable. That means we're growing. And so we practice being uncomfortable. We're growing. And so mm-hmm. um, uh, practice, practice being uncomfortable. If you want to follow along with us uh, with the book, The Cure for Stupidity, uh, we'd love that. Uh, you can get it at thecureforstupidity.com. Um, make sure to, to like us, uh, leave us feedback, comments, uh, questions. If you want us to talk about a certain idea or you have some questions for us, uh, feel free to do so. We get some pretty good questions. We try to weave them in uh, as we go. So feel free to continue doing that. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. This is this has probably become our favorite our favorite half hour of the week. And I don't know that we should ever do a late night one again because now I'm not ready to go to sleep. <laughs> the extrovert in me, like the introvert in you is probably like, oh, I'm exhausted. And for me, I'm totally like buzzed You're over here. Up. Oh yeah, oh, ready to go. So I gotta go find some walls to knock down or something to get oh, that energy out. Great. Are we recording like next week's right now because you're so ready to go? Let's do it. <laughs> Bye. All right. Have a good week.